name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and again, it's my joy to, uh, to welcome all of you here this morning, a special word of welcome if you're here for the first time. Uh, if you are, uh, we're in the middle of a series, actually still near the beginning of it, but four weeks ago, we started taking a look at Paul's letter to the Galatians. He said this is one of Paul's earliest letters. We also said it was one of Paul's most passionate letters. This is a letter where Paul is more angry, more ticked off than at any other time that we know of when he writes this letter. So I want to kind of understand again, if you've been here again, but if not, for the first time maybe, why in the world did Paul was Paul so angry? What was it that made Paul so upset? So here's, here's the situation. Uh, what got Paul upset was that loving Christian concern. You see, this group of Christians, what I want to call the final step Christians, they were Jewish Christians. They had been followers of, of Yahweh, of God in the Old Testament, and, and, and they had learned all the Jewish laws and so on about circumcision and food laws and special days and all those things. They, they learned all of that, and then they became followers of Jesus Christ, and, and, and they believed that, that they needed to continue to do those things. They needed to continue to follow those laws. Those were the laws that were part of their scripture. And so this group was concerned about this group, the Galatian Christians up there. Okay, and, and the reason that they were concerned is that Paul, the one who brought the gospel, who told the Galatians about Jesus Christ, and when he did, the Holy Spirit came on him. It was an amazing thing. They were clearly converted, but they were concerned, this final step group was concerned that Paul had not told them about the laws of Moses, told them about Jesus, told them about the Holy Spirit, probably told them about Abraham, but he didn't tell them about Moses. He didn't tell them about circumcision. He didn't say that's what God requires. He didn't tell them about food laws, that God has made it clear that there are some things we cannot eat if we want to honor God with our lives. Didn't tell them about special days, about not working on the Sabbath, about not doing those sorts of things. And so they were very concerned, and out of their concern, they went up and they held a seminar seminar with those Galatian Christians. They told them, this is what you're missing. This is how you follow Jesus. This is what it means to please God. They went back down, and as far as we can tell, The Galatian Christians, they were excited about this. They were very happy about this. They now knew what they were supposed to do. They had their marching orders. They understood how they could be good followers, and it was a mark they could reach. Paul had talked about loving your neighbor. (laughs) That's really hard to do. This is a lot easier. I can make sure I don't ever eat bacon again. And so they were excited. Somehow Paul found out about it, and that's what made Paul hopping mad. And so he writes in Galatians 1, verse 6, he says, I am astonished, I am dumbfounded that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a, God, a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So Paul's concern, Paul's anger is that, is that these Jerusalem Christians, these final step Christians, these people have come and they've, they've twisted the gospel until it's something that's no longer the gospel. And Paul wants us to know that the true gospel proclaims that we are accepted by God because of faith in Jesus alone. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus not cutting our grass on Sunday. It's not Jesus plus never having a drink. It's not Jesus plus not going to an R-rated movie. It's not Jesus plus giving 10%. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus alone, not Jesus plus anything else. And he is just hammering this. In fact, he takes four of his six chapters in this letter to hammer this. It is Jesus alone, Jesus alone, Jesus alone. It is not what my hands have done, right? I, just as I am, those old songs, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. That's how I come to you, Jesus. Now, three weeks ago, we introduced an image that I want to come back to today. 
and we're going to use it again in the future, is the blue boxes and the green boxes. And, and I think this is really helpful in understanding Paul, in understanding Galatians, and understanding Christianity, okay? And I think if we get this straight, so many other things are going to get straight. The blue box, I want to call it, this is everything it takes to be accepted by God. Okay, this is everything you need in order to be justified, accepted, forgiven by God. The green box is everything you need to be made new by God. Okay? Now, those are two separate boxes, but both are essential. We could give other names to this. In the blue box, we're forgiven. In the green box, we're changed. In the blue box, we are justified is the term that Paul uses. Justified. That means made straight, right? We are justified. In the green box, we're sanctified. We're made holy. All right? In the blue box, I'm declared righteous. In the green box, I'm starting to live right. In the blue box, my sins are gone. In the green box, I'm sinning less. Blue box, faith. Green box, this is where I start to talk about the works that God prepared for me in advance to do, okay? The blue box is immediate. The green box happens over time. And what I want to suggest is understanding these two boxes is absolutely essential. And this is part of what Paul is going to be hammering on in these first four chapters. So let's shrink these boxes down, all right? Come on, there we go. All right. I I gave you then, I want to just remind you now, three rules for the boxes. Three rules for the boxes. And again, you've got to get these straight. The first one, we won't spend a lot of time on this one. The next two we will. The first one is you can't change the order of the boxes. You can't start with the green box. Uh, sometimes we fall into that pattern. What, what would happen there is if we said, you know what, and I've heard this from high school students, I've heard it from college students, when I get my life straightened out, then God will love me. If I stop messing up, then God will love me. When I do this, then I can make a profession of faith. When I do this, then I can belong to Jesus Christ. Friends, God loves us when we're messed up. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Okay? God doesn't wait until we start to get our lives together. The green box never comes first. We are always first accepted, justified, declared righteous. That's where it starts. Now, the second one, and and this is, I'm reversing the order of these next two, because these orders can be changed. The rule order can be changed, not the boxes. But the second one, and this is the heart of what Paul is doing in these chapters, nothing can be added to the blue box. That's why he was so frustrated. That's why he was so angry at, at, at these people who came, these final step Christians. Because what they were doing is they were adding things to the blue box. And Paul says, if we look in the blue box, there's one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus. It's Christ alone. And, and what those people from, from Jerusalem were saying is, when they went up to, 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 to Galatia, what they were saying is, yes, you need Jesus. Yes, we are saved by Jesus Christ. But the final step... The last thing you need to do is circumcision. The last thing you need to do, if you really want to be accepted by God, if you really want to be accepted by us, is learn to obey the food laws. The last thing you need to do is add in those special days. These are the things that that, that help you and affirm and are the final step of of being accepted by God. It's Jesus plus these things, and Paul says, no, that's not the case. It's Jesus alone, Christ alone, Christ alone. And if you stop and think about it, it's an unbelievable thing, okay? I, I, for some of us, we've heard this so often, we don't even hear it anymore. But, but I want you to understand what this means. is There's nothing you have ever done, and nothing you will ever do that earns forgiveness. 
God's grace in your life is not based on anything you have ever done in your past. And it's not based on the fact that God knows you'll never sin again. It's not based on that. God knows you're going to sin again. Paul knows you're going to sin again. And yet God says, I love you. I accept you on the basis of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. If we understand that completely, it is dangerous. And it should make us a little bit worried. It makes some people nervous. It makes me nervous. And, and, and so Paul imagines that, and, and he can hear somebody saying, wait a minute, Paul. You're telling me that even if I sin again, God's going to forgive me. Even if I keep doing this wrong, God's going to forgive me. I, I mean, why should anyone, Paul? Why should even anyone try to be good if our goodness doesn't matter? <laughs> Right? I mean, if it's all grace, why try to be good? If, if God loves to forgive, why not I just sin more and grace will abound? And it's just the way things are. Isn't that the way it is? To put it in parental language, if there's no threat, why is anyone going to try to do the right thing? I mean, if I say to my kids in, in high school, one of my boys comes to me and says, what time is curfew, Dad? 10 o'clock. What's going to happen if I come home at midnight? I'm going to forgive you. What's going to happen if I come at 2 a.m.? I'm going to forgive you. What about 4 a.m.? I'm going to forgive you. See you Monday morning, Dad. I mean, right? Are you going to raise your kids and tell them, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to forgive you. No matter what, I'm going to be here for you. No matter what. I mean, that's a crazy thing to say, but that is the gospel. That is the gospel. And, and some of you right now are saying, no, Ron, there's something else about it. There's something, there's got to be something about it. No, that is the gospel, friends. That is Jesus alone. We are accepted by Christ alone. And, 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 and God says to us, it's not based on you getting it right tomorrow. You understand where that's a little scary? <laughs> you understand where we wouldn't do that with our kids, and yet God does that with us. Paul says, let's talk about it. Galatians 2.17. And, and 17, 18, 19, we're looking at some of the toughest verses to translate here. So what I want to do is I'm going to put the text in, in the New International Version translation on the left side, okay? On the left side of the screen, is that going to come up? On the right side, I will have um, kind of my understanding of it. But Paul says this, he says, But if, okay, we're justified by faith in Christ alone, not by works of the law, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ... What he means by that, I think, is this. If when we accept that we are saved by grace alone, if when we understand that we are saved by Christ alone, if when we believe that we, it's only Christ, that it's not what we do, it's not what my hands have prayed. If we do that, we Jews, and, and he's talking to Peter here, having a discussion. He's angry at Peter. He's telling the Galatians about a discussion he had had with Peter, rather. He says, if, if, if when we do that, we Jews, who've always been good boys and girls, we Jews find ourselves also among sinners. So if I say that I'm saved by Christ alone, if that means that we discover that we're no better off than the Gentiles, all our good works won't save us, right? We find ourselves in the same boat as the the Gentiles. Peter, are, are you suggesting that that means Christ promotes sin? Doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? If in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, if we find out that our good works didn't save us, doesn't that mean Christ is promoting sin? Don't you think some people will take that as permission? Don't don't you think that some people are going to take that as permission and, 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 and Jesus is giving them permission to sin? I mean, here's the heart of it. If we tell people that God will forgive them no matter what, people are going to do whatever they want. 
if we tell people that it is by grace alone, people are going to do whatever they want, and they'll sin more than ever. Doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? Certainly not, Paul says. Absolutely not. He says, you got it all wrong. You don't get it. If you think that, you don't get it. And I'm still trying to get it at 55. I'm still trying to get it. But Paul wants to say this morning that believing in grace alone does not mean that people will be free to sin more. Believing in grace alone, if we really dare to believe that God's grace is that radical, it does not mean that sin, people will sin more. And Paul's going to give us two reasons why that is. As I was working on this all week and last week as well, one of the things I was thinking about is, is that some of you, I, I don't know if you get a little tired during this section of Galatians, because it can be kind of a run. Just, I got problems, tell me what to do. I got difficulties, tell me, why don't you get practical, Ron? All you're doing is this heady stuff. All you, Paul made it very clear. It's, we, we don't need to talk about what we do until we understand who we are. We don't need to get into that stuff. He'll get into it. We'll talk about that. We'll slow down, okay? I'll give you plenty of rules in the right place. But first, we've got to understand. First, we've got to understand who we are in Christ. First, we need to understand grace and how it is that we can dare to believe that we are absolutely 100% completely forgiven by the basis of Christ alone and what he sacrificed. So two things. Paul says, okay, you're worried about sin. You're worried about sin. First thing he says is, you want to know what a sin is? Let me tell you about a real sin. He says a real sin would be going back to thinking I can save myself. A real sin would be having been taught by Jesus, having been taught by Christ, having been taught by God the Father, having been taught that I belong there and I'm accepted based solely on the work of Jesus Christ. The real sin would be if I'd go back to saying, oh no, I can do this. I, I, I can offer something. Jesus, you're getting a bargain with me. He says, that's the real sin. You see, we gave up. He says, died to that kind of thinking. Galatians 2, 18 and 19. Here's 18. Paul says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. You see, what he's saying there is, if I, if I go back to that old system that says it's, it's God's grace plus me, it's God's grace plus circumcision, it's God's grace plus whatever it is that you think is the right thing to do that other people who aren't real Christians don't do well, whatever that is, if I go back to that then I'd be a sinner. I'd be a lawbreaker. Paul says, I've been there, and I died. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul said, I just gave up. Paul says, a real sin is if we go back, if we rebuild what God has destroyed. I want to give you another image here, okay? You can pray. Next week I'm on vacation. You can pray I get over my animation kick. But so far I'm still on it. Now we're going to go to a skyscraper, okay? Here's a skyscraper. God lives in the penthouse. That's God's place. That's where everybody wants to be, but we're down here. And the question is, how do we get accepted by God? How do we get allowed into the penthouse? How do we, how do we get justified? How do we get forgiven? How do we get to that place, all right? Most religions, almost all religions other than Christianity, and Judaism probably understood, but it's different there. Don't, it, it says this is a ladder. Islam, you do the five pillars enough, you can climb up the ladder, and you can get to Allah. And, and, you know, you do enough good works in karma, you get enough good karma, you can reach nirvana. But it's all about the ladder. But, you know, here's what Paul wants to say in the Judaizers are going to agree with them. The final step Christians are going to agree with them. You know, so we try that. We look up and we make it a few steps up the ladder maybe. We do pretty well. We're a lot better than our neighbors at least. 
um, you know, were there. But, but Paul, that just doesn't work, okay? It just doesn't work. And then he says, this is the gospel. We realize there's an elevator, and it's Jesus. And so we go to Jesus. We say, Jesus, I surrender. He opens up his arms. We go in, and he takes us up to the penthouse, and out we are. Christ alone. That's the gospel, okay? But you know what? There's something inside of us that doesn't like that. Let me tell you, there's something inside of us. That's what the Jerusalem Christians, the final step Christians, they didn't like something about this. And even though you're going to deny it, there's something inside of you that does not like this and wants to change the story just a little bit. And here's where they changed the story, okay? They agreed with all the first part, okay? Yep, boom, 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 out, out, okay, Jesus, yep, they go here. This is where it changes. You see, what they said is, Jesus brings us 99.9% of the way. Jesus brings us almost all the way. But there is still a little ladder. In fact, there has to be a ladder. There has to be something I have to do. There has to be something I can contribute. And, and, and the reason we love this thinking, the reason we want there to be a ladder is, is twofold. One is for my own sake. Because I want to believe that I can do something. I want to pay my own way. I know I can't pay all of it, Jesus, but I want to pay a little bit of it. So I'm going to do enough good works in my life that you realize I did my part. I, I want to, I want to, I don't like to be in debt. I don't like to owe you something. I want to pay off my debts. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And so part of our reason I want a ladder is to say, okay, Jesus, I, I still, I'm doing something Right? I'm doing something. And so, you know, the other reason I like ladders is because they tell me whether I can judge other people as real Christians or not. I, I, I know whether you're a Christian or not, but if you climb the ladder, it's really hard if it's all by grace. I can't quite tell what's in your heart, but now I have an external measurement to say that. And so, and, and, and so you know, they said we start to climb up. So have that picture in mind, right? They pulled out the ladder. No, not the big ladder, just a little ladder, just a few steps, just a couple of things you got to do. Paul says, if I rebuild what I have destroyed, right? If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. If I pull out a ladder, that's an offense to God. If I pull out a ladder and I start saying, God, but look at what I've done. Look at how good I am. That is an offense to God to God. That's what sin is. Paul says, you're worried about circumcision, non-circumcision? I'm worried about telling God hit Jesus wasn't enough. I'm worried about telling God I can do this on my own. He says, for I through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. <laughs> Paul says, no, I, I, any small ladder breaks, it's time to just go in and get all the way up by grace. It's Christ alone. Paul says, to do anything else is really to spit in God's face. I mean, this is fascinating to me. Galatians 2.21, Paul says this. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. All right? I don't take out the old ladders. (laughs) I do not take out the old ladders. I don't say, stop before you get to the top, Jesus, because I am going to show you how much I love you. I am going to show you that I can do this at least just a little bit. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness, acceptance by God, justification could be gained through the law, if we could climb up to God's place, then Christ died for nothing. Whoa. (laughs) Them's fighting words. (laughs) That's strong. If you try to tell me that you can take two steps up a ladder on your own, 
Christ died for nothing. Because if you can do two, you could have done four. If you can do four, you could have done eight. The only reason Christ had to go all the way to the cross is because we're absolutely dead in our sins. If there had been any other way, the Father would have taken a different way. Paul says, if you think you can do this on your own, then Christ died for nothing. Friends, that's a sin, thinking that. Turning your back on Jesus, really spitting in God's face. <laughs> so a real sin if we, go, is if we go back to thinking that we can still do something to save ourselves. If we think about the box, again, it's, it's trying to put anything in the, in the Jesus box. Nothing can be added to the accepted by God box. They try to throw in a ladder. Just a few steps. And Paul says, no. Christ alone. All right. So real sin is if we go back to thinking we can still do something to save ourselves. The second thing is really essential. Okay. This is the one that's more important. This is the one that we're going to unpack in the next months. And really, in some ways, this is the one that is at the heart of the Christian life. This is what they weren't understanding, and this is what you and I often don't understand. This is what we do, and and it's so wrong. What Paul wants us to know is that when we are accepted by Christ, we are also changed by Christ. When we are accepted by Christ, we are also changed by Christ. We can never be just accepted. We can never be just forgiven. We can never be just uh, uh, justified. We cannot only, that, that can't happen. And that brings us back to the boxes. And the third rule, and this rule is so important, you can't have one box without the other. Okay? Can't add anything to Jesus. But you can't have one. You can't, see, I, I really want the blue box, right? I want to live in a penthouse. But I don't know if I really want the green box. I want to do what I want to do. I want to have the pleasure I want to have. I want to live my life my way. Says you don't understand. You don't understand. If you are accepted by God, if you accept Jesus Christ, if you have faith in Christ, not only does it change your position from guilty to not guilty, it changes your heart. It changes who you are. It changes how you live. And now you don't hunger for sin in the same way. And again, it doesn't happen immediately. It happens over time. But we've got to understand, we cannot just have the blue box, friends. It's not possible. That's why Paul dares to say it's grace alone in the blue box because something happens in our heart. Let's go back to our skyscraper, okay? And, and again, what this is, if we, if we just have blue boxes, if there's no green box, okay? This is what it looks like, okay? It comes here, we go in there, we come up, and we're happy, right? We got the blue box, but here's the deal. This is not accurate. Let me show you where it's wrong, right? It's wrong right here. See, this is something God would never do, something God doesn't do. See, God doesn't accept us but leave us with a heart that is still twisted and broken, God doesn't accept us and leave us with a heart that is still twisted and broken. We think we can do blue box and not worry about green box, but it's not the way it is. When we are accepted by Christ, we are also changed by Christ. Here's Galatians 2 verse 20. This is a great verse. First half is really easy to memorize. Do that, but, but maybe the whole thing. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Paul says, it's not just that I went from over here of guilty to over here of not guilty. I died. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul says, as I'm going up the elevator, something amazing is happening. I'm dying, and Christ is coming alive in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who 
loved me and gave himself up for me. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So let's go back to the skyscraper again. Okay, we get on. Now this time, we're going to go up and we're going to leave the doors open. Do not try this at home. Okay, we leave the doors open. And during the journey, what we don't see necessarily is this. Okay, we got this. And what we have to understand is not only have I been forgiven, not only am I being brought up to the penthouse, but the old eye has died. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. All right, that's gone. But Christ lives in me and I have a different heart. Now, the heart is not completely functional, okay? Let's be honest. It doesn't happen. It's not. uh, uh, The heart still is being healed and so on. But Paul says, that's why it's not crazy. That's why it's not crazy. When I live now, I live by a different heart. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Why would I sin? How can I, how can I go back to that? How can I live in that? I can't. That's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am anymore. You cannot be accepted by Christ without also being changed by Christ. As they say, you cannot have one box without the other. When we are accepted by Christ, we are changed by Christ. And this is what Paul's going to unpack for the rest of the time. And, and he's still going to do some stuff with, with what, what then of the law? One of the questions is, what then of the law, Paul? Was that just bad news? I mean, it came from God. Was that, how, how does this all work? We'll get to that. But what Paul really wants us to know today is that we do not live by the power of the law. Okay. This is interesting because so often we think about that. We, we act as if the law has power. We act as if our rules have power. That somehow because I have a rule for my kid to be home at 10 o'clock, that gives him the power to do it. Rules don't have power. Laws don't have power. We, we don't have the power to obey the rules if all we have is the rule. Right? We don't live by the power of the law. Paul's going to say that this doesn't work. We live by the power of Christ in us. That's how we live. By the power of Jesus Christ alive in us. And, and, and so as we look at this, as you think about this, I, I think we have to understand what we're talking about is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, mysteries of the Christian faith. And that is that we live by dying. The way to life is death. That if we really want to live, when we die to ourselves, our rules and our egos, Christ lives in us. When we die to ourselves, Christ lives in us. It's why we don't make threats. That's why I'm going to say God's going to get you for that. That's why I can say God accepts you absolutely unconditionally, not based on your obedience, because your obedience is always going to be messed up. Your obedience is always going to be half-hearted until Christ lives in you, and then it's going to maybe get two-thirds hearted or something. But you know what? It's, 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 the key is having Christ alive in us. And, and so my invitation for this week as we close here is that we learn to die so we can live. I wish I could tell you exactly what that looks like. I wish I could tell you exactly how to do that. I think this is our greatest calling, in a sense, while we're on earth, is learning to die. 
is learning to say, you know what, God, I want to be, I want to be filled with Christ. It's not hating myself. It's hating the old self. It's hating the old I. It's hating the part of me that, that sins and, and is selfish and egocentric and all that stuff. I want to die to that and discover the life of Christ in me. Discover life by the power of the Spirit. Again, as we go forward, Paul's going to give us ideas of how we do this. He's going to talk about being led by the Spirit, of walking in step with the Spirit. So unfortunately, you've got to keep coming back. But for today, just make it your prayer. God, help me to die so that I can live in you. Let's pray together. Father, uh, this isn't easy. We like our little ladders. I like to say, God, look at what I did. I like to think you got a bargain with me. It's grace alone. So, Father, teach me to die. Teach us to die to our pride, to our arrogance. Not so we go out of existence, so that we become who you created us to be, so that we become alive in Christ. Father, we're sick of living old ways. And and, and even though many of us have made that commitment and have experienced that grace and your acceptance years and years ago, we want more and more of you. We want less and less of us. So teach us today, once again, to die a little more so that you can live a little more in us. And Father, remind us, no matter how slow we are in this, you forgive us and you love us. And that grace abounds. And that one day, it's all going to be okay. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.